Entry Level is on a mission to reskill 1 billion people by 2030. This is an audio series to give you the day in a life and insider insights into the most in-demand jobs. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's Entry Level audio cast. Today we have Dan from Blackbird, who is the Operations Manager. Do you want to say a quick hi to everyone? Hey everyone, and hey AJ, really, really uh, fun to do this and yeah, looking forward to kind of diving into the role and what I do at Blackbird. Yeah, awesome. Look, the first question I have for you is more of just an explanation as to like what an operations manager is, because we have had Kanav talk about business operations, which in the context of a startup versus the context of a fund, I'm sure is very different. So I'd love for you to talk about, I guess, generally what operations management is and then I guess why it's a bit different for what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously there, there is quite a lot of overlap between, you know, what Kanava Dovetail might do in terms of business ops and, and what I do in terms of the kind of VC fund operations. But at a high level, it encompasses a pretty broad kind of category of function. So within Blackbird, you know, speaking from our, our situation specifically, the whole operations function encompasses finance, legal and what's called business operations, which is what is kind of the more commonly known term. Um, and so things that each of those teams does within the context of fund management, which Blackbird is obviously a VC fund. Uh, so finance, they do a lot of the fund accounting. So every quarter, you know, we have to revalue our portfolio and decide what each kind of company is worth and what our, our stake in each of those companies is worth. A lot of that is to do with actual fund accounting. So that's a lot of what finance does, as well as the kind of usual accounting functions that you would experience in any business, you know, whether that's accounts payable, whether that's reconciliations, anything. So that, there's, there's a lot of, of that. And then there's legal, which encompasses a lot of our investment transaction documents. There's a whole bunch of legal considerations that go into every single transaction. Whenever we raise a fund, we have a lot of legal docs and a lot of negotiations around that. And then as well, we have a lot of compliance. And this is probably the part where the fund management side separates itself from traditional business. Although a lot, a lot of businesses are still heavily regulated, depending on the industry, funds and financial services is incredibly heavy, heavily regulated, particularly in Australia. So there's a lot of compliance kind of requirements that we have to make sure we're not on the wrong side of, creating processes and systems about how to best and most efficiently make sure that we're meeting all those requirements periodically. And then finally, uh, coming to business ops, it's a lot to do with the actual fund itself. So, um, you know, we raise money from a whole pool of investors. Um, you know, we have to draw down that capital that each of those investors has committed to us in certain increments, depending on the deal flow, whether we need money for an upcoming transaction, kind of trying to forecast how much money we'll need over, over the next, say, quarter um, to fund certain investments, things like that. Um, my role in all of that is kind of across all three of those three functions being finance, legal and business ops. Um, and it's a lot of oversight pretty much on each of those kind of individual tasks within those functions. Yeah, awesome. There was, there was a couple of things I wanted to dig deeper into. Maybe I'll cover that and then we'll sort of talk about what your week usually looks like. But can you explain, because I'm sure a lot of people won't know what this is, what is compliance and like, what is what do you mean by that? Yeah. So, I mean, look, compliance, if you, if you take a step back, is are we doing the right things, right? <laughs> Both ethically and legally. That We at Blackbird, like one of our values is that we always you know, want to make our kids proud. And uh, we always try to deal with every single situation, whether it's 
something that comes up out of the blue or something that we have to deal with regularly, we have to we try to do the right thing regardless of whether we're obligated legally to. So that's one thing. Um, and then the, the legal side of, of compliance is obviously things that you have to do to avoid going to jail, right? So um, there, there are a whole bunch and, and I'm happy to dive into kind of what compliance means at Blackbird specifically, if you like. Yeah, maybe you could give a bit more context. You know, maybe it could be a fictitious example, but just like examples and what that looks like. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah, sure. So a specific example might be a lot of our early stage funds where we make our early investments, such as um, entry level is out of a vehicle, which is called the Early Stage Venture Capital Limited Partnership. And that's an amazing kind of um, regime that the Australian government set up, which comes with a lot of tax incentives for our investors who invest in that invest in that kind of structure, but it also comes with a lot of compliance requirements. So we have a lot of restrictions on what type of companies we can invest in, how much money we can raise, how many investors we can have um, on board, how many foreign investments we can make because they're really trying to stimulate the Australian startup ecosystem as opposed to us using that money overseas. And and, um, there are a lot of intricacies within those. And so it's, um, you know, when, when I think about compliances, okay, How do we build the systems and processes to make sure that we're investing in the right companies, we are meeting all the requirements, we have to report quarterly and annually, how do we make sure that we meet those reporting deadlines on time and the data that we're reporting is of high quality and it's not inaccurate, et cetera. Um, So to me, compliance is, that's one example and there are many examples throughout Blackbird where it's a similar story. Yeah, awesome. That makes a lot of sense. I'd love for you to dive into, I guess, what a typical week looks like at Blackbird for you. And uh, actually even talking about the fact that is there a typical week? Like do do the weeks sort of seem the same? Is it the same kind of work that you do or is it very varied week to week? Yeah, I mean, look, as, as I mentioned before, there, there are so many parts of ops within Blackbird that it is incredibly varied. And I can't say that. I know it's a cliche. I, I can't say that every week is the same and I can expect a regular drumbeat of, of BAU type of work. But that being said, I can separate into what is BAU and then what comes up periodically as like mini projects. The BAU for me be running. And, and just to clarify, BAU business as usual, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. just in case anyone didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so the business as usual side of things for me would include things like quarterly uh, compliance reporting. Um, so ESVCLP, the early stage venture capital limited partnership is an example of that. We have annual reporting at the end of the financial year end. So these are things that, when I, when I talk about business as usual, things that I can expect and I can plan for um, down the line. And then digging in into like the shorter timeframes in terms of week to week, there are things uh, that are called capital calls. So when we need to draw money, draw down money from our investors, we say, hey, we need 8% of the total amount of money that you've committed to this fund. Uh, we needed to fund X, Y, and Z investments. And so it's about running that process, sending out all the emails and notices to the investors, making sure that we're calling the, the sufficient amount of money and, and calculating and forecasting how much we'll need. Um, and then as a kind of extension of that is when the money comes back in, hopefully after we've made a gain or investment or there's a return of capital, it's the distribution process back out to investors. Hope, hopefully the idea is that those distributions come more and more frequently and you're, you're, you've got a really nice well-oiled machine of running distributions and that discrepancies and bank account details are all up to date, et cetera. So there are a lot of processes in place to make sure that all of that is done correctly. So there's capital calls, distributions, and there's a lot, uh, I kind of look after what you'd call traditionally the um, investor relations function as well. So we're the first port of call for any investor queries, We've got like a shared inbox that we utilize. 
every investor can, with any question at all, get quite busy managing that and delegating that out to the rest of the business as well. If I, myself or Kat, who works with me as a business ops analyst, we can't answer it ourselves. Who's the right person within Blackbird to answer it? So that's kind of the a nutshell of the BAU, uh, the business as usual type of stuff. And then the, the project and chunkier type of work that comes up every now and then are things like when we raise a new fund. So, and, and, and when I talk about raising a new fund, it's a whole new st- structure that in, in ESVCLP is one type of structure where we go out to investors and we say, hey, we're raising this fund. This is the strategy. We create a whole document as like a marketing material to, um, to tell them about the opportunity and what the fund's going to do. And then we collect the kind of, I guess, what you call subscriptions to that fund from a wide array of investors. And so a lot of what I've done since pretty, pretty much since I joined Blackbird a year and a half ago is running the process of onboarding our investors to a new fund. And uh, that takes quite a lot of time and, and there's quite, quite a lot of checks in place onboard investor due to a lot of the compliance regulations that we have. So raising new funds is one. Things like secondary transactions, and this is kind of getting into um, a a bit more of a a complex thing, but we often, not often, we have run these transactions before where we essentially sell shares from a previous fund into a new fund um, that we also manage. And that new fund has a materially different investor base. So essentially, earlier investors get a return of capital, new investors get exposure to whatever the kind of underlying portfolio companies are, but black, you know, the shares kind of still remain within the Blackbird um, fund management. And so we get to maintain a relationship with the company, et cetera. And so that's kind of a, also a, a, a bit of a long-term project and requires quite a lot of operations input as well. Those are kind of just a couple of examples, but I mean, I could go on and on about this stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. So I just wanted to summarize to make sure I got it all. So uh, business as usual is quarterly and annually reporting, capital calls, then doing distribution and investor relations is sort of the main units of work. And yep. then every now and then when they come up, raising a new fund, creating the onboarding processes and things like that for that. And uh, secondary transactions, sort of the ad hoc projects that come in every now and then when when they arise. Yeah, absolutely. And then I'd say to add to the kind of more project side is um, we always try to think about how we can do things better and more efficiently and create or just improve the systems currently in place. And um, I, I've, you know, there's been a couple of instances, a couple of instances since I joined where there has been something that I just see is inefficient or slow or unnecessary. And whether it's someone who asked me to take the, to take the initiative or I just go and do it, a lot of those things are also part of the job, whether it's in the JD or, or, or not in the JD, it's, it's just something that I've found really rewarding and, and really useful to the rest of the business as well. So I'd probably add in yeah that aspect. Yeah, awesome. To go into a bit more depth, like for a typical week or a typical day, like you know, how many times are you um, sort of in meetings? How much time do you spend at a computer sitting there? How many times you don't go into a site or anything like that? So I assume it's just split between sitting in front of a computer doing work and then meetings, you know, what's that split look like? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of meetings, so it's pretty good to say that my, my role doesn't involve that many meetings day to day. It's a lot of kind of regular flow of work that, that comes our way that doesn't necessarily need a, a meeting to discuss. And I feel like maybe it's the also culture of Blackbird where if we don't need a meeting, we just don't have it, you know, just for the sake of having one. That being said, we do have a couple of kind of regular check-ins and stand-ups within the ops team. That's just a daily quick 10 minute check-in. 
as well as obviously the one-on-ones we have with our direct reports. And then also because Startmate is closely linked with, with Blackbird as a sister company, we have a weekly sync as well then from a finance and ops side. So those are the kind of, you know, th- those are the meetings, but I'd say, you know, if I, if I was to put a percentage on it, maybe 10 to 15% of my day is meetings. And then the rest of that is ideally is, is deep work or it's liaising with one or two other people in the ops team to try to get something done. It's not necessarily, let's have a Zoom call to discuss this. We use Slack really, really well. And I think we, we use it pretty efficiently. I think that's eliminated a lot of the need for meetings. So although I try to do as much deep work as possible at my computer, head down, working away, obviously we do communicate throughout the day on Slack and that probably takes up another, I'd say another kind of 10, 10, 15% as well. And, and then the rest, the rest of the time is, is probably just, you know, head down um, working. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. I mean, if you're an operations manager, I'd assume spend most of your time sort of operating and, and making yeah. things flow, right? I'd love to know more about your background and, and how you got into this role because I've done ops before and I know people have done ops, but I feel like jumping into this game is very different, right? Like just looking at the units of work, doing ops at a startup and then doing ops here, there seems to be a bit of a skill gap. Like what's your background? How did you get into it? And uh, is there a skill gap or is there something you just pick up? Yeah, I mean, uh, to say I was incredibly um, underqualified would be <laughs> understatement when I first joined. You know, with a lot of with a lot of these things, um, you definitely learn on the job and you pick things up. And there are a lot of acronyms that I had to learn and a million, a million other things that you just kind of pick up as as you learn, as you kind of do the job and do the work. And I'd say that my previous experience isn't indicative of the skills that were, were required necessarily to be. Initially, I was I was an ops analyst and now an ops manager. Um, I, I wouldn't say that that experience was key or essential for me to, to, to land a role like this. But I would say that, you know, the underlying kind of traits that, that I picked up throughout those other experiences, so I'll kind of go through a, a little bit of a history. Um, I, I started uh, my own kind of uh, venture when I was back at uni and kind of went through a, a bit of a founder journey myself and learned a lot through that um, personally, but also that kind of gives you empathy for the founder journey as well. And particularly you know, that a lot of VC funds in Blackburn in particular look for people who've had that experience themselves and have that founder empathy. So that I, I guess that's one at a high level. Um, and then two, you know, I was a strategy analyst at Accenture. So kind of learning to think strategically, which is very different to ops actually, but ne- nevertheless, just um, being able to ab- abstract yourself and think of things at a high level, particularly when you kind of get to a little bit of a more senior level with even within operations, I think gives you a, a bit of a leg up and allows you to see things differently. You really kind of look for the why and what's the value, putting time and effort into X as opposed to Y or Z. Um, and I've actually found myself in situations not thinking that, oh, I, I remember these skills from extension, I'm using them now, but I feel like they're kind of ingrained with you. So things like that, I'd say weren't key and, and weren't so essential that Alex, who's my boss now, was looking for them when he was out hiring for, for an ops analyst. But I, I do think that little bits of and chunks of those experiences along the way add up to the the right starting skill set for you to go and learn and and then become an expert in, in, in your field yeah totally that makes a lot of sense would you there's no degree or like specific qualification to become an operations manager am i right no no i mean look um obviously having a background and um, i so i studied finance um as well as comsci and so having a, a little bit of a background in finance and being familiar with 
finance and accounting terms helped a little bit because of the nature of, of the role. But I wouldn't say that th those are super, super essential. You know, again, with other things, you could you can learn them as you go. So I wouldn't say that, 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 that there's necessarily a degree, no. Yeah, that makes sense. So then what kind of traits or skills do the best ops managers have from what you've seen that you've like, you perhaps you and your colleagues, like, you know, what is the trend that you see? Yeah, so I mean, one is just a, a real thirst for learning. Probably key. With uh, without that, I think you, it's hard to step into any. I mean, any role in particular, and just be able to pick up things and and want to want to know why is this work, how does this work, and and ask the right questions. So I, th I think that's probably one. Is that because there's a lot of? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, but no, is no. there a lot of different? Um, I feel like every single ops role is different for every single job, right? And and you can't really be an expert at ops for Uber and then also be an expert at ops for entry level and then also for Blackbird. Like they're all very different functions. Is is that why you say the first point or like exactly see what you think about that? Exactly. I mean, when, when I speak to other ops people and I say ops in inverted commas, everyone's experience is different. And I feel like it is probably one of the most broadly used terms for a role out there it, because of the reason exactly what you just said, there is no universal ops role that is clearly defined across multiple verticals. So I, 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 I just don't think that exists. And that's exactly why, yeah, you just need a veracity for learning really as, as kind of a, a core skill set or a core kind of characteristic starting out. I, I, another one, which I think is super, super important is, is the um, just, the, the almost nerdiness to want to dig into things and make things more efficient, even if it's 10% more, having that natural inclination to want to make things better and more efficient and quicker and faster and, and removing anything that's superfluous, I, I guess, is is something that I've seen across a lot of ops people. Three is the ability to think in kind of systems and processes. And as soon as you kind of approach with a problem or something that's not working right, right how do we put a process around this? to make sure that we do it better or our mistake that what, what, if, if we made a mistake, how do we make sure that it doesn't happen again by putting in some, some checks or a system or a process around it? The ability to think that way as a first principle, I think is really, really important in ops as well. Yeah, blame the systems, not the people, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can never blame the people, really. Yeah, awesome. Final question is, what are the best parts and the worst parts of the job? I'd say the best part is just the, the broad variety of things that ops, and I say ops is in the generic term, but that ops touches uh, at Blackbird, it, it really, really kind of hits at almost every single part of the business um, and is kind of the under, there's just the engine room of, of what Blackbird does. And um, I'd say that just the variety of the role is, is the thing that I love most. And then, I mean, the, the things that I, I'd say aren't my favorite um, are probably things that you have to really get stuck in the weeds for, but then also have to be able to take, take a step back and kind of look at things from a higher level and think about, okay, what, why are we doing this? Why are we spending so much time on this when it's actually not as valuable or important or, or as urgent as something else? And oftentimes, you know, you do get stuck in the details and it's very hard to pull yourself out sometimes. And it's a, it's a, it's a kind of, I think it's a common trap that people fall into. So. Um, that's probably the, the the less favorable part of the of the job, but um, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I mean, you you were saying that you were reading our updates, and I'm like, that's very like granular. Like it's very, <laughs> you know, we're one of like you know dozens of companies, and you must be like looking at each one, and then also looking at a high level. So it must be a lot of things to, to juggle. So yeah. Totally understand that. Um, yeah. No. Exactly. Any final advice or tips for people who are interested in, in becoming an operations ops manager, specifically, I guess, at the fund? Yeah, I, I'd say. 
if you're looking to, to, to get into ops, especially at, at the kind of a, a more junior level, it doesn't matter what experience you might've had before, what you studied. I'd say that most VC funds are necessarily looking for someone who's already proven has had X amount of years experience. If you're, if you're hungry to learn and you're kind of passionate about creating, you know, like, a, a, I guess a world-class op, ops team and, and really leveling up a business like a VC fund, which hopefully has the potential to, you know, impact a, a lot of other businesses and a lot of other people, then just go for it and apply. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that you're underqualified or less qualified than anyone else out there. So my advice, my advice would just be to go for it. Amazing. Thanks so much for your time, Dan. Thanks, AJ.